Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And I never understood why somebody would want to be, would desire to be in service to the Lord and be wicked. Either somehow, maybe during the time that they started, maybe they started well, but they they, they got involved in the ministry. These Levites, Hophni and Phinehas, their father Eli being the high priest. And maybe it was while they were serving that somehow, little by little, compromise started to creep in. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio. The sons of Eli were corrupt, and in the ancient Hebrew, they are called the sons of Belial. Belial was a pagan god, and a phrase, sons of Belial, referred to worthless and wicked men. This was a significant problem, because the sons of Eli were in line to succeed him as high priest, and they already functioned in the priesthood. Even though their father, Eli, knew the Lord, that knowledge was not passed on genetically to his sons. They had to personally know the Lord themselves, just as we do. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's study. 1 Samuel, we're looking at chapter 2. If you remember last week when we got together, we looked at Hannah's prayer. And Hannah had prayed because all she wanted, remember her husband Elkanah had two wives. Hannah was one of them. Penina was the other. Penina was very fruitful and able to bear children. But Hannah says she was not able to bear kids. She wasn't able to have them. And as you remember in that culture, to be barren was tantamount to being cursed by God. And that's the way people looked at women who were not fertile and could not bear children. And so... Hannah, after seeing Penina, this other woman in the house, bearing children to Elkanah. And it says that Elkanah loved Hannah, and he really loved her. But yet Penina was the one producing. And isn't it an interesting paradox how that is? The one that you love, the thing that you really love, just is not coming through. And yet the thing that... Maybe he, uh, I mean, I'm sure he loved Penina as well, but when he says that he loved Hannah, I think there's a reason for that. He really loved her. It doesn't mean that he loved Penina, or didn't love Penina, but he loved her. He loved Hannah more, I believe. And yet, the one thing that was kept from him was the children, and so she cried. And Penina was one of those women who used that as an advantage 
over Hannah because if two women are living in the same house and you know your husband has an affinity or a love for one of them and you don't feel quite as loved, and all, but yet you're able to give the husband children, which is what he really desires, oh, the daggers start coming out. They can, not that they should or not that they always do, but in Hannah and Penina, the daggers came out and Penina used it against Hannah. And so much so that she saw Penina as an adversary, as an enemy. And every year when they would go up from Ramah to Shiloh, Penina would always chide her and always say evil things about her, smirking as they went and perhaps gloating in the fact that she has all this brood of little ones behind her and Hannah didn't have any. And so she cries out to the Lord and you remember as she's there in Shiloh, just vexed of soul, she cries out to the Lord and only her lips are moving because she's in such distress over this whole thing. And I'm surprised that her husband, I'm sure he was just a a very um, coherent and very uh, aware of what was going on. And I say that tongue in cheek because based on what we know, he says, hi, Hannah, aren't aren't I worth to you more than ten sons? He doesn't really get it, does he? And she cries out to the Lord, and Eli, the high priest there in Shiloh, along with his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, he's there and he sees Hannah just moving her lips, and he thinks that she's been drinking a little too much. So he passes judgment on her, and finally she says, you know what? I am not a daughter of Belial. I'm not a daughter of worthlessness, a daughter of evil, as you may assume, but I have poured out my complaint to God. And Eli said something wonderful. He said, well, in a nutshell, he said, well, whatever the Lord, you've asked of the Lord, may he grant it to you. And then finally, she goes home with her husband. He knew her in the King James, which means he had relationships with her. And she bears a child. And as a result of that joy, she, she, in worship, she offers him back to the Lord. She doesn't keep him to herself. The thing that she wanted more than anything, and folks, I don't know about you, but when I read of this, it just rocks me. Because so often my worship can be so flimsy. My worship can be so shallow. And yet here's a woman. All she wanted was a a male child. She wanted to be vindicated. She wanted to have a, a, a child for the husband that... She knew that he loved her more than anything, and all she wanted was a child. And I don't think she cared if she even had another child after Samuel. She wanted one, and God gave her exactly what she asked for. And she said, as a result, I'm going to give him back to you. Totally unselfish was she. And you know, that's what real worship is. When you give something that's so valuable to you, you give it back. And she followed through on that agreement that she made, on her vow that she had made. And she does. She gives him to the Lord, and there there Samuel is with Eli and his two sons, who we're going to find out tonight were very evil men. 
especially his two sons. Eli was a father who did nothing to restrain his sons from the evil that they did. He took of the, that they took of the sacrifices that people would bring up to Shiloh to sacrifice unto the Lord. They would, they would steal those things. They would extort those sacrifices for their own personal gain. They would sleep with the women there in the tabernacle. Can you believe that? Committing those, that lewdness right in front of God and everybody. No pun intended. Pun intended. And there they are. And, the, and it says in the, in the word that the people abhorred the sacrifices. They abhorred the worship that was going on there. And there's one thing that I know is never getting in the middle of people worshiping God. Don't get in the way of people worshiping God, however it is that they're worshiping. Whether they're singing, whether they're giving, whether they're giving of their time, whatever it is, that's between them and God. Don't get in the way of it. Stay out of the way. It's not about us. It's about what we do for him, what we give to him. So let's read now verses 12 through 21. That's probably as far as we're going to get tonight because we're going to also take communion this evening. Let's read. And you'll probably have, if you have a New King James Version Bible, you probably have the title over this passage called The Wicked Sons of Eli. And I never understood why somebody would want to be would desire to be in service to the Lord and be wicked. Either somehow, maybe during the time that they started, maybe they started well, but they, they, they got involved in the ministry. These Levites, Hophni and Phinehas, their father Eli being the high priest. And maybe it was while they were serving that somehow, little by little, compromise started to creep in. Maybe that was it. Or maybe they were just wicked to begin with, and they get in there, And they're just continuing their wicked deeds. And I think one thing that you can look at this tonight is you you look at these men serving. People coming and offering their sacrifices. And them going through the motions and getting rich and getting fed, getting fattened up and sleeping with the women. Doing these lewd, horrible things in the name of God. And yet God, in his grace, he allows it for a season He allows it for a season. Let's read it. Verse 12 says, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling, and then he would thrust it into the pan or the kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. And so they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, Give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. (laughs) And if the man said to him, They should really burn the fat first, then you shall take as much as your heart desires. He would then answer him, No, but you must give it now. And if not, I will take it by force. Therefore, the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. But Samuel, underline that phrase, but Samuel. We started off on a minor key, (laughs) a minor chord, kind of a sullen, dark darkness. 
with Eli and his sons, and then it says, but Samuel, and all of a sudden we're now in the key of C major. Much brighter, things are blue again. Skies are blue, birds are chirping, flowers are blooming. But Samuel, I love that. No matter what happens, there's always a but Samuel. There's always but God. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child. And we believe that when Hannah finally weaned Samuel, she had this young boy that she had asked for, and God gave it to her. And she weans him, and then after the weaning of the child, he's probably three, somewhere between three and five years of age, and now she takes him, and now he's Eli's with his two evil sons. Can you imagine how hard that must have been for Hannah to know? And certainly, the Bible says that year after year, they went up to Shiloh. They were very familiar with these characters. And I think that Elkanah and Hannah knew the kind of character these men had. And certainly taught God around. These guys really aren't serving the Lord. They're doing some really wicked things. And yet Hannah would be willing to give her five-year-old child, per se, into the, into the hand of these men. That takes a lot of faith, doesn't it? It takes a lot of faith because she didn't put her faith in Eli or in Hophni and Phinehas. She put her faith in God. And whatever God says, when you make a, a commitment to him, he's going to take care of it. He's going to take care of it. Notice verse 18, but Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child. Can you see this little guy? I mean, he must have been the cutest thing in the world. Here are these old-aged men, you know, Eli, the grand, you know, the father, very heavy, the Bible tells us. Had a little too much pasta and sauce, so he's, he's, got, he's a little big around the middle. And he's got his two sons, probably grown up at this time, and they're evil men. And then you got this little pint-sized little guy walking around doing little things, you know, just handing, you know, as they go to sacrifice maybe, as they sacrifice the lambs and the, the goats and the, and the cattle. Maybe he's, maybe he's the guy holding up the, the you know, the, the tools, the instruments that they're going to use to sacrifice. You know, maybe he just had a few little jobs like that. And little by little, year after year, moment by moment, God is raising up this great man of God. Starting off at a child, doing very simple tasks, simple tasks, day after day, growing, week after week, month after month. And God is looking at him going, wow, look at him. What a wonderful man. In spite of his circumstances, in spite of the culture that he grew up in. Do you have kids today growing up in our culture? Are you worried? (laughs) You should be. But is God able? Is he able to handle your children? Or do you trust him? Are you praying for them? Convicted about that. Pray for your kids every single day. Pray for your grandkids every single day. They are in enemy territory. And the devil, he is a liar. He's a thief. And boy, is he cunning. And boy, is he smart. You're not dealing with a, with a being who is stupid. He has been around for a long time, and boy, has he studied. Boy, has he know, does he know your ancestors. 
He knows everything about you. He knows things about you. He's not omniscient, but he's, because he's been around, he knows the past very, very well. He doesn't know the future except for what we know in the Word of God and whatever God chooses to show him. But he's very smart. But here he is. So moreover, verse 19, his mother, and I love this, she used to make him a little robe and bring it up to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, Notice, the Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord, meaning Samuel being offered into the ministry. And then they would go to their own home. And then finally in verse 21, And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. How wonderful. Let's go back to verse 1 and take a look at this. It says, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. If you, In your Bible, you might have a footnote, and it might say something like, Sons of Belial, and they did not know the Lord. So the, the sons of Eli, they were corrupt. They were sons of Belial. This word Belial literally... It means without profit. Uh, in other words, worthless. Someone who is bent on wickedness. And we see that. And in Deuteronomy, uh, uh, actually, in, in verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 16, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 16, just a page uh, to the left of you, Hannah said the same thing. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. The idea is a daughter of Belial. Don't consider me worthless as she was there sobbing before Eli and he misjudged her. Don't make me out to be a wicked woman, she said. And I wonder, you know, Eli had not seen any good examples of true holiness and brokenness at this time when Hannah was there crying out her complaint before God, before Eli as he saw her. He certainly didn't see, have any good examples around him of real holiness, any real brokenness. He didn't see it in his sons. And so it was very easy for Eli to look upon her with disdain. Because after all, around him, there were no really good examples. Perhaps the people coming up to worship God were more holy than they were. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 13, we, we hear of the first mention of this word Belial. And it's, when God is bringing them and warning them as they, before they come into the land that they are to avoid uh, idolatry. And it says in verse 13 of Deuteronomy 13, Certain men, the children of Belial, there it is again, are gone out from among you and have withdrawn the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go up and serve other gods which you have not known. And of course, God wanted to protect his people from idolatry. But they were children of Belial. In Second Corinthians, this word is actually personified in a person. Um, Satan himself. In fact, Paul says in Corinthians, Second Corinthians 6, verse 14, he says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion, we're going to take communion tonight, but what communion has light with darkness, and here it is, and what accord has Christ with Belial? Taking this word and actually personifying it into a person, and the obvious description here is a comparison between Jesus and the devil himself. Worthless. Destruction, wickedness, that's what it means. 
And notice, it says that they did not know the Lord. And how is it, and why is it, that somebody would want to be in this place, this position of serving, if they didn't know the Lord? You know, like I was saying before, you know, they either get corrupted, they either compromise from the very beginning, or maybe they get into the ministry already corrupt, desiring just, just to be able to have command over people. You know, some people are like that. I don't quite understand it. You know, if I, the last place I would want to be, if I, wasn't, if I wasn't born again and filled with the Spirit of God, the last place I would, if I wasn't that, the last place I would want to be is in a church. But there are churches today all across America, all across the world, Many of, or some of them, not all of them, of course, but there are those men preaching in the pulpits that don't even have the Spirit of God in them. They're great speakers, and boy, they can be handsome. Great speakers, and boy, they, while they're talking to you, and boy, it's just, you're so wonderful as they reach into your wallet. God loves you. God has a seed for you. If you just donate to the Lord $100,000 today, it's going to come back sevenfold to you, to you, to you. Can I get a hand? Can I get an amen? Can I get a hand? Get him. Get his checkbook. Hold up a number. It's an auction. Do I hear 100000 100000 and 10000 And people would have it so. I don't understand it, but why would a man want to be involved in ministry but they don't belong there if they're not born again, if they're not filled with the Spirit of God? There's no place for them in leadership in the church. They ought not to be there. It is dangerous to have somebody in a pulpit teaching anything in the church who's not filled with the Spirit. You must be born again. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you're not born again, you don't belong there. You belong to be sitting and receiving the word so that you can become born again because maybe you'll be the next worship leader. Maybe you'll be the next assistant pastor. Maybe you'll be the next pastor. But you have no business being in it at all unless you're born again. And it's important. And it's interesting that both Hannah and Elkanah, they certainly would have seen this corruption in the leadership. But yet they trusted the Lord, giving their precious son into their care and under the influence of Eli and his son. And this, folks, again, is worship. It's worship. Because I wonder how many of us would do this. And I asked myself the same question. Would I be willing to do this? When I looked at my daughter when she was born, a fierce sense of pride and instinct came over my wife and I, and if you have a child, you know what that's like. It's fierce. And God put that in you for a reason. The last thing I want to do is feed that baby to the wolves. And then in a sense, that's what Hannah and Elkanah did. They knew of this man and his sons. That Elkanah did nothing to restrain them. Are you the type of person to allow your children to do anything and you're kind of soft on them? You need to be very careful because if you don't, that bumper crop of sin is going to come up. If you don't raise your kids the right way, if you don't discipline them when they need to be disciplined, how important it is. 
And yet she worships Elkanah, they worship. Would I be willing to do this? Honestly, I don't think I would. And hopefully I wouldn't make the vow. Because here's the thing about vows. Even though Hannah made the vow and her husband heard it, we know in context that he must have heard it because he included her vow into his vow. He, he associated her vow as being their vow. They went up to perform their vow. You can read it in the first chapter there. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.